Do you want to bring balance to all the wireless radiation fields in your life, including 5G? The Omnia Radiation Balancer is a small sticker you can stick on any device. It changes the state of the field and creates a new resonance between the wireless radiation and your energy field. On the link below you'll see all our testing results that show how the body responds excellently once you've made this change in your life. And here's a special offer for the Journey to Truth crowd. Just enter the word TRUTH in caps at the checkout for your 10% discount. It's easy to bring balance back to your body with the Omnia Radiation Balancer. Welcome back. Tonight we are joined by Barry Littleton and Matthew Mornian. Uh, as many of you guys may know who they are, we uh, were at Starseed Adventures Conference in Cocoa Beach, Florida with them. And they got to chatting and realized they had some really cool experiences. And uh, this idea for this show kind of organically sprouted in Florida. So we thought we would um, put this together and there's some really interesting things to talk about, like Matthew calls a new era of contact, and it's looking different for the individual. It's not what we thought it was going to be as far as this mass disclosure. It's, it's, it's really appearing different for every individual right now. So we're going to get into some really interesting stuff as far as that goes. Matthew has a, an experience he's going to share as well as Barry, and we're going to get into that. Uh, before we do, just a few things, um, just promo code stuff. And uh, you guys just watch the Omnia commercial. That's uh, 10% off with promo code TRUTH. And uh, Teespring, 20% off promo code Sleepy Joe And uh, HHH, Hopewell Farm CBD. Sorry, Hopewell Farm CBD. This stuff's really amazing, actually. Um, we've been getting a lot of positive feedback. People are really enjoying this stuff. I mean, this is just you can't tell what it looks like it here amazing. um but it's 15 percent off with promo code circle back on the uh uh if you click the link below and um they have a new crypto payment method also so if you have any coins that are traded on coinbase you can use to purchase this uh cb which is a really cool feature and i know a lot of people are kind of um, moving that direction as far as a lot of companies are actually implementing crypto payments so anyway that being said guys welcome to the show I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into this this is something that uh, i've been excited about since we talked about it and really what the coolest part about this is is i'm going to turn it over to you guys because you guys have the experiences so we're going to be learning from you tonight and i'm just really excited so welcome to the show matthew how's it going Really, really good. Thank you. It's really good to see everybody here again. Honestly, it is a true honor that you guys are willing to have us on your show and to like talk about all this wild stuff. I mean that very, very sincerely because there's not, there's still not too many places online where we can have an open, you know, talk about what's been going on in our own internalized ET experiences without having some layer of, you know, weirdness or, you know, assumption or just, you know, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, thank you. It's truly an honor. Yeah, no, it's it's great yeah. to have you back. Um, I, it's been a, how many times have you been on the show now? Three, maybe two individual, and then a roundtable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Thank From, you, thank you. 
And then, uh, yeah. yeah, this is be technically Barry's, Barry's Matthew. technically, yeah, fourth yeah. for Matthew. This is third? Technically Barry's third? third time, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had Barry on in the early days when we had no clue what we were doing. And, yep. and then he uh, was here for the round table <laughs> for the conference. And actually, that's one thing I wanted to talk about is this whole, yeah, this, well, we did. This whole idea started, it all spawned from the conference. And I just think it was really, it was a really special event. Uh, a lot of people connected and uh, we're going to continue to see beautiful things emerging from all those connections. And this is a perfect example of that. So welcome, Barry. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me back. It's a yeah. pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, so you guys had the idea to, you guys approach us. Like we want, apparently Matthew told Barry a story that blew him away and they had this idea to come in and discuss this topic. So I'm going to turn it over to these guys and let them explain yeah. how that all happened. Well, Barry is kind of a master storyteller. So Barry, I'm going to let you set that up and then I'll sort of like launch into this whole weird experience I had, which might make more sense a little bit later, but yeah, take it away. Cool. Right on. Thank you. I appreciate you. Um, <clears throat> well, one thing is that uh, the conference itself, you know, I didn't, I never know what to expect when I go into one of those. That's like the eighth one I've done. And I didn't know what to expect because I'm not the, the SSP guy. I've got a different type of contact. And, you know, I think that's a block that is purposely put there so that we all don't communicate the way that we should. Because I had unfounded worries before I went in there that was nothing. But when we started talking, Matthew, which is very quickly, um, you had mentioned something about uh, black extraterrestrials and having an encounter with a melanin dominant uh, extraterrestrial or interdimensional. And that's something I've always been particular on trying to bring forward on account one, I had experience myself, but number two is in the media, we never hear anything about that. And I'll tell you, since speaking forward, since coming forward in 2014, I've had the uh, honor of talking to so many people now that are genuine, I think, experiencers, contactees, and there are many that have had some type of an experience. Yours is one of the coolest I've heard. So I think it's worthy for other people to hear it right now. So more people bring it forward. It's not as, uncom as uncommon as we might think, you know, but just the fact that the media has avoided that. Certain things like, <clears throat> excuse me, certain things like the Pleiadians that we're so familiar with, you know, I've, some people have got upset with me about the Fabio joke and the Christy Brinkley joke with the Pleiadians, but uh, <laughs> Kevin Sorbo, maybe. <laughs> but the fact is, when you look at the aboriginals are speaking about things right now, and I think it's the strong brothers that have brought that forward that are saying that uh, they're producing relics and saying that the first Pleiadians here were black, were in their image. So that's just something that needs to be mentioned a little bit and how there's a connection between their and the Cherokee Indians, and actually where do some of these uh, melanin dominant and ethnic, other ethnic extraterrestrials come from as far as space goes, location. So I'll touch on that real quick, just the ones I'm familiar with, you know, which is, um, I don't have names for everybody, but you've got individuals from the Syrian group that I think we hear about quite a bit. We've got humanoids and amphibious type of melanin dominant beings there. Also in Vega, I've heard a lot about Polynesian, uh, actually uh, Asian type of extraterrestrials and also uh, black African, African type of uh, extraterrestrials there as well. And that takes us over into <clears throat> something that I think needs to branch out a little bit further, all right, which is what we don't talk about enough. And this goes even more than just melanin dominant extraterrestrials. This goes in contact altogether, which is extragalactic 
contact. We're getting to where in these, I think, in the new age and in the ufology, we're still getting accustomed to these small groups. Syrian, Pleiadians, all these places that are local Milky Way places, even close mm -hmm. to our own solar system. Yeah. So yeah. I think we have to go much further than that. The beings I dealt with, I kept thinking, knowing that they were other galaxies, but after talking to quantum physicists now, people like Dr. Shields, I've had to accept that I'm dealing with beings that are from another universe. And that's why I was seeing what I was seeing and how the universes are actually shaped together and are not the way we're thinking now and what black holes actually are. So it's really thrown it to another, another level. So I think we have to start thinking extra galactic and remembering that the Hubble, the Hubble said that there are like 300,000, 300 trillion galaxies now. When I ask about that, these, these physicists, including Dr. Shields, he told me, so we're not doing it like that anymore. Now we're doing it by planets. And I said, well, how many planets do you think there are planets in the universe? And he said, 30 to the 80th power. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. 30 with 80 power, 80 zeros behind it, right? Yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> it's so, so it's things like that. Yeah. So in concept wise, because for me, it stressed me out when I was trying to find out about my experiences, especially when I was younger. Not just did I not see any many contactees that look like me, I didn't see any beings that look like me either. So that's very discouraging. And that stops us from being quote unquote, a type one civilization. If we're making that type of a jump right now, we need to keep talking. Because I noticed the more you have me, people like us talking about it, I've seen even the conferences changing more melanin dominant people at the conferences, more people communicating and sharing. That's what this is all about for us going forward. We yeah. need more than just Nichelle Nichols as Lieutenant Uhura on the bridge. We need more than yeah. that. We need more communication, but that was showing us where we need to go. Anyway, yeah. going back to this real quick, and I'll turn this over. Sorry, I get too excited sometimes. Um, uh, <laughs> when dealing with these with the, with these uh, melanin dominant extraterrestrials, you have ones that have been encountered by some people that have come forward, such as uh, uh, Michael Desmarquet, I think is one. Another one is Daniel Kell wrote a book uh, about what he experienced and i've heard others been telling me now and culturally also hearing about a type of uh melanin dominant uh hybrid that comes from the black praying mantis we hear a lot about praying mantis and encounters with them and hybrids from them but not about the ones that are melanin dominant we have black uh mantises right here on earth that people don't seem to talk about very much so that's one type and the type of contact that they're reported to do when you're when you encounter them is they have about a two hour dance that they do in front of you. And they have, although they appear to be like almost tall brothers dressed like Moors, but what they're concealing is an extra joint here and on the knee also just below the knee. And in that way, they're able to have a fluid type of movement that it's very hard for us to mimic but they dance in front of us and that's a attempt for us to say hello. And then when we start dancing with them, we start getting information and, the, and that's when the communication begins. Wow. So that's one type. And they're reported to have um, actually triangles on their heads. Now I've talked to other experiencers that have reported. And I think also I did a video with um, uh, Corey Good in 2019 when I met you guys actually. And the first thing when I want to talk to him about when he approached me was, he said he made brothers that weren't from Earth. So I'll hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> but he described the same type of a being that I just described there 
uh, that is actually has the ability, maybe a different race, but has the ability to use the black hole, the quantum hologram within their own molecules, the individual molecules to teleport themselves galactically. So they never used ships or anything like that. And in that way, they were unconquerable by species like reptilians and wow. cyborgs or whatever. So that's something that kind of, kind of ties into, I think, maybe where Matthew's coming from, too. We've got just so many different types. So as he just mentioned, the different types of contact we have, but yeah. that's important. And one more I'll throw out, too, is the Triangulum Galaxy, when we go extragalactic. The Triangulum Galaxy is about to merge with the uh, Andromeda Galaxy and the Milky Way. We're all close right here. But the Triangulum Galaxy is what you're seeing a lot in ancient Kemet. It's not always it's not always serious. It's not always Orion. What you're seeing a lot is representations, the pyramid of the Triangulum Galaxy. And that's going a stage back before this first evolution where you had real giants here. Not just 10 or 12 like Gilgamesh, but higher than that. Maybe like what they're talking about 30, in Indian uh, Sanscripts. Yeah, 20 beings that are 20, 25 feet tall. You know, we're talking about yeah. Rod Serling, uh, Twilight Zone stuff. But, <laughs> but seriously, we've got representations of them all over the planet. And many of them were, were melanin dominant, but they were coming from then again, extragalactic from the place, the Triangulum Galaxy. So those are just a few things to kind of throw out there. And then when Matt gets done, maybe we'll go a little more in depth. But I think it's about expanding our parameters of modalities of contact especially yeah. on the individual level right now and communicating with each other. That's what happened at that conference. And it's so important. You know what I mean? It cuts out all the crap. Yeah. So, yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. And, and before we turn it to Matthew real quick, just a few things just to add to what you said. Um, I think that theme is going to keep, re, uh, the, you know, black ETs, that theme is, is going to become more and more common. I mean, even just look at Egypt, and the ET origins in Egypt, it, you know, the, you have Africa, like the origins of a lot of life on this planet is allegedly from Africa, according to mainstream. But still, we know that there's ET origins there. So it's really interesting. And then I know David Wilcox says that most of the beings in our local star cluster are dark skin. Uh, he, he said that mm -hmm. a few times. And, David yeah, yeah. And then um, also, I remembered, I knew we were going to talk about this, and I remembered a, uh, we were at Dimensions of Disclosure in 2018, and Elizabeth Wilcock did her presentation, and she talked about an experience with dark-skinned ETs that she had, with this ship landed, and there was like 90 of them on there, and like three of them came off the ship, and they were levitating, um, and they gave her like three rules on how to defeat the reptilians or something. It was a great, it was a really interesting story, but I mean, it's, it's coming up. It, it is there. It's just not, it's not, you know, prevalent right now, but uh, it's really interesting. And Matthew, I'm really interested to hear what you have. To now, say. One more thing I want to throw in that I forgot is when dealing with that also is the ebonoid races that are inner earth or underneath the surface. There's a, several mm -hmm. tribes of them that are, related and intermingled with uh, several different ag African tribes. That's something people can look up for themselves. Just sorry, I put throw that in. Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead, Matthew. Yeah, Let's hear what yeah, you got. Uh, I'm excited to hear the oh story. Lord. Okay, first off, Barry, you're blowing my mind. I had totally forgotten that you had mentioned the, the black mantis being thing. 
Um, and I also that dance thing as well. And so, wow, it's, it, it's, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get oddly emotional here. Every time I talk about this, it's, it's just, a, it's a very, very strong thing for me, but this was in December of uh, 2017 at that stage of my life. I had just gone professional in terms of doing psychic work. And I was working in a shop in a place called Los Feliz out here in the greater Los Angeles area. Um, and it was, it was a very activated time. There was a lot of spirit activity there, both positive and negative. Um, and so there was a lot of stuff going on. And there was one day in particular, about 1 p.m., it was late December 2017. I, I was just about to do, you know, just sitting there in the shop. And I leaned into this chair and I was like, I'm going to do a meditation at work. Why? Because I can, you know, just like one of those moments where you're like, and I tilted my head back and it was like, it seemed as though it was within seconds. And it was as if I was standing in an outdoor area. And if you guys want to get a little bit of a slideshow, you can watch my left eye. It'll actually like, you will literally get an image in your own sort of version of it, but it will transmit it directly to you. Um, and so in maybe a few seconds after I closed my eyes, I was standing in a, an outdoor area. The, the earth was the first thing I saw, like the ground. It was very red, very, very darkly colored. Um, as I looked up in front of me were what I believe to be three men, very tall, very, very dark, shamanic looking beings. This color of their skin was very, very dark brown and reddish. There was like a there's like a red undertone, like deep, deep, dark. Like there doesn't seem to be a color here when I sort of feel into it. Um, what I noticed was that they were coming toward me. And as they walked toward me, they put their hands in front of me, each one of them, and they built a wall all the way over my head and all the way over my back. They just stacked their hands, each one of them. It was like they were building a wall. And as they put the wall over my back and they brought their hands down, they circled off. And as they came around again, one of them opened up his hand and went, and he blew something out. Um, I believe it was some sort of dust within that moment. I then appeared in what a what I believe was an indoor dwelling for these beings. Now that I've had a few years to kind of like analyze it, which is which isn't always a good thing, just so you know. But in sort of looking back, what it appeared as though is I I materialized or was just taken to an indoor place where these beings had dwelled. It was like a home, and to my right was something like a table or a bed or just a you know like an area. And on top of that was a very thin child. It was like a child version of these beings. And they had kind of like, there was a very misshapen head on this child and right on its forehead was a really big crack. It was like a crack in the skull. And there was this glowing sort of thing that was just glowing and pulsating. And as I was in this space, it was like, I could see this, this whole child was like pulsating, like just kind of pulsating. And I watched myself, this was not something I consciously did. I watched myself go to the child and hold my hand over its head. And as I lifted my hand, this glowing, this is, this is where it sounds really fun and crazy for everybody at home. It was like a glowing slug that started like this glowing slug kind of mass came out and I held my hand up like this and it just dematerialized. Um, what I do know at that moment was there was a sound that came out. There was an actual sound. I've never been able to recreate the sound, which I'll get to in a few moments. But after that went up, I immediately appeared back. It was in a different outdoor area. And what I noticed was that these men were dancing and I, it's, I could almost do the dance. That's how cheesy it is and how obsessed I was with this experience was that I, I even started to kind of mimic it. 
and they were like moving and stomping and they were doing this thing and um, an element, I guess, of my my human self started wondering, what is this? What am I doing? And they all looked at me at the same time. And suddenly they had this like orb of light and they looked at me and went and it shot. <laughs> this sounds so crazy for everyone at home, but it, it, it was as if it went inside me. And I began to get emotional. I was, you know, there's a pleading or this wondering of like, what is this? What is this? And they showed me a strand of DNA. And within the DNA were the little orbs that they sort of pushed out. They had lined this sort of helix structure. Um, and so to be completely honest with you, at that point, I began to kind of lose it. Like I was not able to stay in that moment. And I felt myself leaving and pulling up and pulling up and pulling up. And as I looked down to my right, I could see what looked like a swamp almost to my right. There was like a swamp and to my left were like certain structures. And it was like, I just went and I just pulled out of it. Um, and to be honest with you guys, that was maybe five seconds of my life. It was five seconds of my life. And it was the most vivid five seconds of probably that I have ever had. And it was like this immediate thing and boom, gone. I mean, wow. I'm I'm sure more time passed than that than five seconds. It just felt like five seconds. I mean, I don't know. That that seems like a lot to take place in five seconds. It was it was it was a it was a very. <laughs> it's actually really weird to talk about here because it's like it was it was one of those things that at the time in late 2017 there was a big furor over the secret space program and there was a lot of people talking about how well if you have contact it only happens like this and when they contact you they come into your room or first you have a dream and then they make a deal with your higher self and if your higher self agrees then you and you know for me it was I just closed my eyes one day and I was there and so I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody at all. I even made a Facebook live video and I immediately put it on private. It's still on my timeline to this day. <laughs> um, and, and it was one of those things where I didn't say anything. And then lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, we, we hear one of our famous secret space program survivors suddenly starts talking about having an experience with the very same people. Um, and it was one of those things where it was like, I, I, I didn't know what to do with it. And I just sat there going, okay, I guess this was real. Now what? Wow. <laughs> you know? Anyway, yeah, it was a trip. So, and it's interesting wow. that I know um, you're talking about that dance. I, I just watched something. I think it was even on Ancient Aliens or something. But they were talking about this tribe in South Africa that um, they do this shamanic dance to connect to another dimension. And when they mm -hmm. when they make this when they do connect, they're like. It's it's insane. They're walking on fire and they're not getting burned. They're putting it. They put their head in the fire for whatever reason, but their skin will not burn. They they can eat fire. They become almost superhuman, and they they claim that they're not in this dimension and they're communicating with other beings that way. But it it incorporated. They incorporated some type of dance, like you were describing. It's really interesting. It, it makes me wonder what we can achieve. If we start dancing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, something I want I want to throw in <clears throat> that really catches me about what she said and some things to stick out uh, at me, Matthew. One is you describe the child with the cracked head. Okay. Um, something if you look at especially Linda Moulton Howe's uh, Earth Files and the reports she has of a lot of the manted reports are several of them have these, and other people too, have these reports of them, their heads glowing or their mouth actually having light coming out of their mouth. 
Now, when taking this and me, of course, being kind of the weird brother I am, I like to contrast things. All right. Uh, one but I have a piece of it, uh, the Uranta book. You know, I read that when I was in high school and throughout the years, I've, I had a big problem with it due to the racial part. But once I put that aside and really look at the material, which is intensive, intensive, a lot of it, they talk about um, a group of beings. They're very specific in different beings they describe, but a different a group of beings called the life carriers and how the life carriers populate civilizations or solar systems. And ultimately, I guess, you know, galaxies to a degree. Now, uh, when looking at that, some of these reports of these praying mantis, especially the bigger ones, because some are reported to be like 15 feet tall. People say that these, these beings have told them that they're like the watchers of civilization, of solar systems, and they actually implant life there. So theoretically speaking, what is the evolution of one of these life carriers? What all different containers do they go through in their evolution? Is the type of a mantid type of a representation, is that one of them? It's food for thought, if nothing else. You know, so I've done a video before about the life carriers and the giant praying mantis. So when you say that and you talk about this, this, this child having this light and then actually something coming out of it like that, is that actually the original form that this being has from where it's from, a different dimension, a different universe, whatever the case is. But we're dealing with, as these are black praying mantis hybrids, we're dealing with beings that come from dark matter or what we're calling dark matter, our sciences now, you know, and I don't want to confuse that to what's also being termed dark aberration uh, matter, which is actually the matter that is scattered within dark matter that is not generating light and not light coming from it. So they say that's where actually evil lies and comes from is this dark aberration that is connected to dark matter. It's a very, but they're different, very interesting concept, especially when you look back that up science, there's a science behind what I'm saying, you know, anyway, <laughs> um, just, I think what, what you're saying though, is taking that back into as far as creation, some type of a life carrier species, that's a hybrid from that. And, you know, I think it's fascinating. So I want to say thank you for sharing that. And as far as the bending the space time continuum, I've had something like that happen, Matthew, to where I was actually having what I thought was a physical experience. And then what has happened, another group has actually bilocated me and distracted my physical body here consciously. And I'm being bilocated, but I don't detect that exactly until it's over. Then I can see these other beings too. I'm having this, this cross. And what seemed like about a five minute encounter has been four and a half hours mm -hmm. of missing time. And I was completely conscious. So something like that. So I know exactly what you're saying, you know. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So you're dealing, when you're dealing with a type three, type four, type five civilizations that can work work with the different coexisting timelines, all bets are off, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, I would just say one thing and then I I think uh you were you were uh Tyler was gonna say something, but no, go ahead. As as a person who spends a tremendous amount of time in training and also practicing moving outside of the body, I can tell you with great assurance, and I know there's gonna be lots of people out there that are gonna be like, What? That's not true, but this has been my experience. As soon as you truly leave the human body, the concept of time that we understand right here, right now, it 
does not exist in nearly at all the same way that it is here. And by my understanding at this point, the only place in which we experience linear point A to point B time is here on the third density separation plane. And so in the you know third to fourth density shift, which we're in right now, many of us are having the experience of timelessness. Um, it's, it's, it's literally one of the facts of our life here as humans. And um, I will just add one other thing, because you asked about that sort of mantis form, and it's crazy to hear this, because those were the original ET experiences that I had was with these wild mantis beings. But all that, all that aside, that experience with the child, I believe, um, was teaching me or giving me a frequency that I now use. Because as I was saying, when this happened, it was like a sound came out. And what I noticed was not immediately after that experience, but maybe a couple of days, I don't know, a week later, I was working and doing clearings with people. And I realized I had this urge to like, ooh, it was like I wanted to mimic the sound, which is kind of cheesy and embarrassing. But I found that when I did, the very first time I ever did it, it opened a different layer of energy for this woman. And it was like her body just went and like all of her emotions came out. And I was like, whoa, I had consciously mimicked the sound that I had heard in that experience to the extent that I do it every single day. And we literally teach people how to make that frequency. Now it's a it's a trip. But anyway, so hey, what did like the mantises look like that, that you encountered? Uh, the the very first one was when I was doing a meditation. This was 2016. It was like July. And I was just doing a crown chakra meditation randomly in the morning. And this pop sounded in my head. And I looked in front of me and there was a gigantic praying mantis about maybe bigger than my bigger than the room I was in, which is hard to describe. It was bigger than the room. And I just looked at it and it was looking at me and the feeling that I felt in my body was that he was proud of me. I felt that he was happy to see me. It was really a trip, man. It was like he was he was like it was just this love came out. And as soon as I kind of just looked at it, he turned into a boy, a very dark skinned. What I thought was like Indian looking like sort of from like India. He turned into this very dark skinned boy, probably about 16 years old, maybe 14. And he had red bands around his arms and he was just smiling at me like and then they were gone <laughs> and it was wow. just over man and i was like you know and once again i didn't tell anybody but when i started hearing about all the secret space program stuff i was like oh okay people it kind of opened a door and that's what led me to all you guys actually and all the stuff we're doing now but those were just things where i was like oh that was a trip who do you tell i don't know <laughs> you know oh, yeah. yeah the internet yeah, exactly. Well, that yeah. that's what happens to all of us when we have experiences mm -hmm. like that. Like when I went to my first conference, I was like, oh, my God, there's other people like me out there. You know, mm -hmm. you don't you don't understand it. But it, obviously, mm -hmm. we've all found each other now. And it's a, it's it's a beautiful thing. And we're all fighting for this disclosure and, you know, just trying to figure shit out day by day. Nobody knows what they're doing is what I realized. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what uh, Princess Janae kept telling me that was at the conference and she's really well known and she doesn't see that at all. And she said, this is my first conference. She said, I didn't know there are other people like me. It's very <laughs> interesting. You know, it, 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 it's, 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 it's that, it's that unknown still, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. still that much undercover type of stuff. So, yeah. It sucks, but hopefully that's changing. That's what's changing. So it is changing. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, and like you were saying earlier, or I said earlier, I don't know, talking about how the uh, contact is going to be disclosure, whatever. It's going to be individual. It's going to look different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I remember 
um, I think it was Z. Sorry, Z, if you're listening to this at <laughs> at the uh, conference, she she was talking about her experience with connecting the ETs, and she's like, guys, it's going to happen like this. She goes, you're not going to get a text from an ET, and you know that's not how it works. But but you actually got and, a text. And <laughs> in one of my experiences, that's exactly what happened for you me. Literally got a text. And that just proves to that just proves the point where it's going to look different for every no one size fits all yeah yeah contact yeah exactly and and i yeah. know you had some stuff to say on that matthew so yeah well th- this is this is something that has been shown to me over the past few months i know a lot of people have realized this now but we went through a really big consciousness gateway toward the end of december in 2020 there was a kind of a a, a literal passage point where everyone made for some of us, it was a predetermined choice. Some of us went with the flow of the moment. Some of us were kind of overtaken by the collective consciousness. Other people, like this soul group here, we made a direct choice to go to the next stage of our journey. And so for each person, the next stage is an individual thing. But what's been shown to me by the beings and just the stuff that's been going on in my world is that we're at a stage in which, based on your predetermined choices, your internalized vocabulary or catalog of spiritual or mystical information, you will begin to receive experiences that fit within your paradigm, your understanding. They will not be defined by any other person. They don't happen in any one specific way. And what we're discovering is that there's no need for any of these beings, any of our true, true soul family, any of the beings that are guiding us, of which there are many many right now they are communicating emotionally telepathically yes through our dreams through visions but also through music through our associations and if you want to know the number one most in my opinion most powerful and common way they show themselves in situations like this when people gather together in you know in like a community and share their energy and their experiences it opens doors and i i'll I'll go one step further and then i'm going to shut up it opens specific doors in the body which people can research and google and check out on your own time namely the Bindu chakra in the back of your head. It's also known as a moon portal. And when this opening in the back of your head is able to breathe and transmit energy, we receive a whole different level of transmission. There's also a very important place, and then I'll, 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 I will stop after this, the thymic chakra. A lot of people have heard me talk about it, but tremendous energy gets stuck here. And we're unable to use our upper chakras accurately until this part moves. And just so anyway, <laughs> sorry to go on a tangent, but yeah, it's totally unique now. So I hope that makes sense. You know, kind of chiming in on that and how it is exclusive and individual, For me, when I had an encounter with what I believe is a melanin-dominant extraterrestrial of a female, um, it was in a public place. And I've talked about this before, and it's amazing the amount of responses I got from people when talking about this with a group that I call the Charters. And I say that in terms that every seven years, for us lifetime experiencers, contactees, whatever word you want to use, every seven years, we get approached by somebody that comes out of a crowd in a public place an airport, a bookstore, somewhere like that, like what happened to me. And they say just something absolutely profound to you. They have such an impact on you energetically, spiritually, then they're gone. They go back off in the crowd. You don't know where they came from. But I call them charters. And what I've learned since then, you know, with my experiencers is that really these are more akin to, I think, some type of historians that make contact with those of us that have lifetime experiences. But for me, it was a mel- when I was 21, it was a melanin-dominant female. 
that approached me in a public place. And you know, it was very interesting because she gathered my attention, name one, because I was at the age where my brother's hormones are pretty strong and she was quite attractive. So she definitely kept my attention. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but when I when I when I asked her, one is she's an extreme telepath. And I was at the age now I was a kid anymore. In the cage, we know most people are not telepaths, really. Like we can pick stuff up and know somebody's calling, little ESP stuff. But direct telepathy, kind of communicating right then on the spot, a lot of people don't know how to do it. And she's doing it strong and she's reading me. She's reading me good to a point to where I got uncomfortable. So I threw up a shield. All right. Huh. She threw her hair to the side and crashed through my shields and started reading me again. Something wow. that no person I've been around has been able to do. And that's when she won what she appeared to be. And I asked her, I said, you know, what? first I couldn't exactly place a race. So I was like, you know, what race are you? What ethnicity are you? And she looks at me, she says, I'm of, <laughs> I'm of black and Guatemalan descent. Hmm. And most people at that age, that was back in the 90s, you don't talk like that. You know what I'm saying? But yet the, <laughs> yeah. the amount of strength and energy she had is like the other charters I've encountered. The first one was a uh, Caucasian male. Okay, and that, you know, and then it went on from there. But each of them, the only way I can describe them is they their energy doesn't feel. It's not like someone who has um, ADHD or something. It's not that type of energy, but it's an advanced energy that pushes you slightly. And the only way I can describe them is that give it about oh six, seven, eight hundred, a thousand years if humanity doesn't exterminate itself. They feel like people from the future to me, energetically. And if you can detect energy, it it's there. Okay. So anyway, that's my communicate my communication with somebody. I think that was definitely human, but not from here. And when dealing deeper with that, with people like my friend Flaubert and other people have had different contacts, uh, she said that that was a descendant, an Andromedan, that's descended of actually the Mayan race. And she can trace all that back. So it's very interesting. When I describe this woman, she describes as being of the inner earth women, being quite a bit like that, having also a good bit of uh, libido about them, maybe some type of, uh, what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the uh, um, uh, uh, pheromones, high pheromones. Oh, okay. Yeah, not good for brothers like me, you know. <laughs> Not at that age anyway. So, but that was just part of the contact, you know, but anyway, just it's, so, so it comes in different ways. But when I spoke out about the charters, so many people started responding with well, something like that happened to me. It was in an airport. It was in a bookstore. You know, if you just think about it, it's very interesting. It's food for thought, if nothing else. Yeah, I absolutely love that concept of the charters. I guarantee we've all had someone come to, I'm, I'm sure people listening to this right now are thinking, I wonder if that person, whatever, was a charter, you know, um, I'm, I'm thinking of a few people right now. And it's interesting. Yeah, because some people come into your life and they'll like have a profound impact. And then it's like you think maybe you're going to spend the rest of your life with this person or like you're going to be friends with them forever. And then they're gone and you'd never forget it. It's a really interesting concept. Uh, the charters, you know, and I think it goes all sorts of ways, because I'll tell you. The um, charter that I had in my 40s, my early 40s, was at that, at that SETI ranch. 
And it was that that Sasquatch that told me the term an elder. I mean, you know, it says a lot because I'll tell you fellas something. That that being was on me before I ever got there, before mm -hmm. I agreed to go there. I was very nervous. Those was my first conference, very nervous to go there, 2016. And um week about a week before I went up there, a little more than that, I started just obsessing about albino Sasquatch, white Sasquatch. I'm looking up Thinker Thunker, MK <laughs> Davis. I mean, I'm tearing it all up, man, you know? And I didn't recognize that as telepathy, though. It just seemed like some sort of weird obsession. Even my brother was asking me, what the hell's wrong with you? What are you looking at? Was, Sasquatch, albino Sasquatch, you know? Then I get there, I was unprepared how remote that ranch was from the, uh, from the airport uh, yeah, it's, it's way up in the mountains. Yeah, okay, yeah. up in the Midwest, not in the mountains quite at that area. So that's way out there. And as soon as I get to the gate, just a little before it, I feel like I'm being watched. One of the one of the conditions of a brother speaking out there is that a brother doesn't really want to pitch tents, and I don't want to camp. So I need some sort of facility. So they put me in one of those yurts back there, yeah. and that's when you know I'm going behind there. The trees are pushed over rocks on my all these weird stuff happening out there you know but it was this 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 elder making constant contact with me and then when it was over and i'm gone from that place i realized wow that was a seventh year for me and i was wondering i was trying to keep my eye out when a, when a charter might come one will make contact and if you can de detect the energy you can catch them or at least feel them you know um, it's kind of hard when somebody's talking in a crowd, you still say, Hey, are you an extraterrestrial from a different space <laughs> sector? You know, that, that. <laughs> well, it, it depends on where you say that. Because if you say yeah. that, if, depends on where you say that. If you say that at a conference, everybody's going to be like, Yeah, I'm from Andromeda, I'm from here, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. But, but as far as the city, I had to realize that the type of Sasquatch they have out there, and I think Matthew, we talked about this a little bit uh, at the conference, is that they have to have an awareness of the future. They knew I was coming. Mm -hmm. That individual did, you know, and the fact that when I got there, I had just done a video over invisibility techniques, something I always tried to practice as a kid and stuff and learn that a little bit, which is easier than people think. Mm -hmm. But I get out there and this stuff is getting pulled on me. You know what I mean? It was, it was just yeah. incredible. So, so just, I would just say, just once again, that expands the modalities when we're dealing with paranormal, and metaphysical, whether they're interdimensional beings or different beings. I think we're all talking about higher vibrational beings. So that's what, important. What are your experiences with charters, Matthew? Is that vibe with you? I'm going to be honest with you. This, I am now just learning about this here today. Um, and it makes I, absolute sense. I can tell you that at least based on what I'm learning here, I believe that I had that year for me was in 2017. I don't know exactly what or who or when it was, but oh my Lord, some sort of a contact, a literal timeline shift took place that altered the literal path of my entire life. I would not be standing here today. For me though, it was a telepathic thing where right around August of 2017, or actually I would say as of May, 2017, I knew something was gonna happen, but. Um, it was like I was being guided to just make some huge change. And so for me, that's what's kind of represented by that. I, I think there was probably, you know, other times in which that charter effect occurred, but it makes absolute sense. I mean, totally. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, <clears throat> I, I mean, I, to me, it, it may, I think I don't even, so I, my big question is where does the seven year number come from? Because 
I don't like how does where did that information come from, Barry? You know, for me, it's just that's what has happened to me every seven years. One of these individuals has come into my life since I was a kid. It happened when I was seven. And then one day I was talking to a lady um, I was in my early 20s. So I met her when I was about 16, uh, a well-known psychic from where I'm where I'm from. And she started telling me about she goes, to, you know, the charters. And she she she, she termed them that when I describe these entities I've encountered sometimes. And that's the first time I had heard of it, but it made total sense because I had encountered every seven years, one of them had popped up on me, you know, and it, and it's something that I, you don't forget, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I would almost say that I think it's some type of a contact they have to make with us, mm-hmm. you know, as, as I don't know if, it, if it's a, if it's a resonant thing, if that's part of the work they're doing is I call it say charters. And she said that we say charters because I mean, are they, they're keeping some sort of charts. That's the way it seems on our soul lives, maybe. You know, yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. Yeah, I think, well, I think we're being contacted every night. I mean, we're going, we're leaving. I know I'm, I mean, the shit that happens now anymore, it's like, yeah, I might as well write a book. It's just crazy. Um, But as far as a physical person coming into your life every seven years is really interesting to me. Uh, because I've I've encountered people even in the past. Maybe it wasn't a charter, but I, I, there's some people I've looked at, and I just like, I'm like, that's just not a human. <laughs> There's just not a human, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people have encountered people like that. I have you a know, question, Tyler. I'm yeah. I'm I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I I have a question. If can you tell me how your dreams have changed? Have they dreamed, or, or rather, have they changed lately, like in the past few weeks as well? And I'm I'm just kind of curious because there's a theme with a lot of people I'm working with right now where there's a whole other timeline that we visit in the dream space. And yeah, I'm just well, well that's how that's how they, it's more of an experience than a dream. Dreams are always like people are changing and morphing, and you're in one setting and a different setting, and everything's nothing's there's no constant, right? Um, but when I'm having an experience, which appears to be a dream, um, I remember everything. Nothing changes. The setting is real. And I'm there with other people, often in the community. Um, a lot of people in this community I've hung out with in the astral. And it's getting so real that it's it's like really hard to determine what reality is. But I'm just yes. I'm coming to the conclusion that it's it's just a alternate reality that's happening yes. simultaneously. Oh Lord! It, okay, it is really good to hear you say this. You probably don't know this, but I have been talking about this for a while, and I have a very similar experience. And this is almost nearly every single night of my life. I will go to sleep and I will wake up in another world, in another place, in another body. I'll go through the whole day there. And as that period is ending, a lot of us are there. Many people we know, we're all going through processes, we're having experiences, but it's the same. It doesn't change. It's exactly like you're saying. There's like a whole other life that we're going through. By my understanding and through some of the people I've been working with, that is a representation of what some of us call the new earth wavelength or the new earth frequency in which we will be tuning deliberately in with that other version of ourselves. Now, to what extent, to what level, to what, you know, we can bring the information back. It's always changing, but that's a real thing. So it's really cool to hear you talk about it. Yeah. And on one certain, on one specific occasion, um, 
I had a dream that I told my friend about. I was like, hey, there was this, I had this dream about you last night. It was so real. And she ended up saying, oh, my God, I had the same exact dream. And we were describing the same experience. We, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't a dream. We were both at the same place describing the same details. We described the same place and everything. And uh, that was really, that really took me back. I was like, that is, a, I never would have imagined that, but it was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, were you going to say something, Barry? Oh, no, no. But I think that sometimes maybe also what you guys are doing is accessing coexisting timelines. You know, mm-hmm. the timelines are really parallel, like they say, but they're more coexisting, just separated by frequencies. Yeah. And it doesn't take much for us to perceptually to shift over a little bit especially for those that are so awake right now with the new energy and information coming in. And, you know, that's all also going along with the sun. A lot of what are called, I think uh, people are terming now time shifts go along with these uh, activity from the sun and it causes geometric storms here. It affects the inertia of earth. And these are actually time shifts that happen. And there's a mechanism somewhere that's trying to correct and edit our timeline quite a bit or forces trying to screw it up mm-hmm. <laughs> at least the earth the earth timelines that is and i'm wondering how many of these are some of you are accessing just through perception it's very interesting yeah mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling there is very much like what some people have called the time core or this time uh kind of moderation group or maybe it's a group of beings uh who knows who it is but it feels very much like there have been deliberate alterations like deliberate edits within how we're experiencing that i mean i i I think you had talked about that as well barry but very very interesting (laughs) you know there's uh the first charter i encountered actually um the gentleman was a Caucasian and he approaches me when I'm with my mother in an antique shop looking at these books and I wanted a rock and he approaches me. And the first thing he says, I thought he worked there, but now I see he didn't, but he, uh, cause he came from behind the counter. He says, uh, young man, do you think Ignatius rocks are metamorphic by nature? And, you know, and <laughs> my, at the time my, my response was, yeah, but it needs to be more, it takes millions of years. It needs to be like, Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno needs to be immediate. And he started <laughs> laughing and saying it's, it's not like that, you know. But he started asking me a lot of questions that were um, science, geology questions. And now, as a grown man, I can tell you, who on earth would come up to a seven-year-old child and say something like that unless you already knew something about them? Yeah. What they were into. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's just... It's things like that. Later on, that turns out this is a gentleman I saw later on that year on board a craft, but I couldn't remember it. You know, sometimes these events, the vibration is so different and their vibration is faster or the craft itself is a faster vibration that it makes the retention of memory of the event horizon difficult. The further you get away from it, the more it fades. You know what I mean? So that's something that is just part of our perception, I believe. Oh, yeah. Well, that's also why it's good to tell the stories and tell your story and write it down um, because it can fade away. But as you tell it more, sometimes more memories come back as you tell it. And just right now, Mm -hmm. while you're talking, I'm 
like something's coming through that I, I'm, I don't, I'm like remembering something, but I can't figure out where the hell I'm even remember it from. And it's like, I'm thinking it might be coming back from an experience I had. And it's, I think that's what happens as we have these conversations, more becomes unlocked. And I think that's actually really crucial moving forward. You know, that craft that I saw that gentleman on, and it's the one that I saw with my mom that same year, but I mean, we see it outside. Okay. And when I see this thing, it's got what looks like these grates and these windows on it. And the other craft I've been on board um, did not have windows because they're organic. So this thing and inside it was like some type of a holographic deal. He goes like this and the wall changes. It looks like I can see my mom and me down there. So it was bilocated during this experience. Okay. But also the way this craft looked on the outside with these windows and the way this was almost what I think, uh, kind of I've heard people call something similar to chronovisor, something similar to that that could record everything. That's what historians would do. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that was a time ship of some sort. And that, comp- yeah. that, 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 com- that compartment may have had these Nordic type of individuals, but I think the other compartments have some of them have non-corporeal, uh, crew members and it's just different species on board that craft that are all going through different time periods recording from these these different timelines you know in my and that that's so i call them the the temporal commission and then temporal integrity commission matthew i stole that from uh nice. star trek enterprise man anyway, <laughs> but, <laughs> but i think but i think that's what they actually are and i think that they're actually trying to monitor and maybe stop the time the timelines from maybe entwining too much or something they're doing something well yeah with looking glass and yeah. the, and uh chronovisor which a chronovisor it's like a, a little thing that goes over your eye um the left eye mm-hmm. right and i know from i don't know this at all but i've i've heard i thought it was a machine well it could be but i do know there's a chronovisor that there's probably different ones but i know there's one that goes over your eye i've heard described that uh it's a something that that exists that the vatican owns and they've been using this but not just anybody can use it it has to be it's like built for a specific race it has to like it works with your dna somehow where something like project looking glass isn't like that so it's it's actually not as sought after because it's useless to somebody who isn't in a line with it, I guess. It's just interesting, but they no, I think they they have that technology specifically to look at the timelines. Oh, absolutely, I one hundred, uh, I absolutely agree. Some other people have heard me talk about this, but one of the early stage experiences I had a couple of years ago was some sort of an out of body experience where I was taken with a group of people, and we were it was like we were demoed. We were shown this technology. It was like a laboratory environment. I believe I was viewing it through another person's eyes because when they when they put this thing on me, it was it was a woman. It was like I was viewing it through a woman's eyes, but it was the literal visor, and it was a thing that they put over your face, and you sat in this chair, and it goes, and it like sealed over your face, and it was crazy because in my head as it started, they said, "Are you ready to play the world's most dangerous game?" And I got scared, and it was like I felt myself kind of pulling out of it. Um, and what I noticed was that within the visor thing, you could, it was sort of like a director mode where you could watch and sort of move and like position 
and they were watching people on a street. They were moving around and like moving in between them and watching them. It was bizarre. I mean, absolutely bizarre. And you know um, what those people probably see in the street is an orb. I wondered. Yeah. I, I never thought about that afterward because it was so it was just like, what? Oh, my God. Like, where do I you know what I mean? What do I say? But probably. Well, I mean, that's what that's my understanding of orbs. It's an ET that can't physically it's it takes too much energy to physically change your density, your vibration to physically change your vibration to enter, let's say, third density, 3D. It's like Hmm. their consciousness, right? It's it's like the manifestation of consciousness in our dimension from an from another dimension, right? Yeah, 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 I think so. But then and then they orbs are and they send it out. And they can like let's just say a Sasquatch. You see those orange orbs. They mm. they don't even have to like. That's what Sasquatch. They don't have yeah. to phase into this dimension. They can just like zip around as an orb and scope out whatever they want to see. And then if they like something they see, maybe they can you know hop hop dimensions at that time or at that point. I don't know how it works, but when you said that, putting that on and being able to zoom around people, I imagine that's kind of like wonder. I wonder if people would see an orb. I wonder. Oh Lord, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. So many of those things just happened and then they were gone. And it's like, there's no context with which to discuss it. Lately. That's why I love this whole yeah. like group that we're all a part of now, because I think it really gives people in a, like this sort of voice or this moment where they can go, oh my God, that, what? And I thought that was crazy. Or I thought that was fake. Or you too. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, and, you know, and, and, and it's very worthy of mentioning, you know, like for me, for a long time, you know, when I was younger, I had both physical and like astral type of stuff happening. And I never really counted the astral stuff because it wasn't the same. It seemed like I couldn't touch things. It wasn't concrete. You know what I mean? So I tend to talk about now just mostly my physical encounters that had missing time and things where I could touch things, whether they be entities or walls or whatever the case is. But the truth is, that the large amount of people that are having contact right now, it is happening in the dream, in the astral, because that is the way we perceive another dimension, you know, another density. It's perceived like that in that type of a dream-like deal. And that's where they can meet us halfway. You know, in those physical encounters that I had, I'm going to speak for myself, there was a horrible sickness on those ships that was worse than being on a merry-go. It's like like being on a merry-go-round or like when you go down on a, on a roller coaster, how it takes your stomach for a second. Mm. It felt like that, but constantly. And eventually that begins messing with your mind and the experience itself. They called, they're putting in my mind, temporal aphasia is what they call it. Yeah. You know, but, but in reality, after a while, it starts really messing with the, with the, with the experience. But now I know these are beings from another universe that can only do so much of a pattern of enfoldment in this universe to meet us. So one of these craft is, you know, only halfway with sure. us. That's why it's hard for us to exist there. Yeah. At least the ones I'm talking about anyway, but you know, it took me hell decades to figure that out and come to accept that. Huh? Wow. Can I ask you a question real quick, Barry? What is what does temporal aphasia feel like for you? Because if for some reason, like hearing you say that, I'm like, uh, you know, there's like something there. You know, for me, there were two things. One, it's this dizziness. And it's like, you know, like kind of like when you spin on the merry-go-round, you get off for a second, and you're kind of still going like that. And then to me, it was actually compounded 
by this type of a, 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 a Windex ammonia smell. There's a mist on board these craft. And to me, it's like keeps breathing that and it take that that that's it's hard to breathe. Then you have this aphasia thing going on. Then they start hitting you telepathically with information. It's all just too much. And you start, you know, for me, and the longer I'm there, the longer, the more debilitated I got. Like mm-hmm. to a point to where I said, after what happened to me in the sixth grade, I said, well, next time I have physical experience, I'm going to try to just grab something. One of these crystals or yeah. something. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Then I'll, I'll make a fortune. Yeah. I'll be like the dude on ET. <laughs> but, the truth is, <laughs> but the truth is, I was so sick on board those craft. I wasn't going to be grabbing anything. Mm-hmm. And more than that, I'll throw this to you guys, all right? Is that these craft are alive and sentient. But I can tell now at this point in my experiences, I underestimated how sentient these craft are, how advanced they are. Some of them were dealing with craft that are probably thousands of years old. All right. Mm-hmm. And when I'm on board, the reason why I'm not being escorted by some of these entities, some of, par- some of them that are partially phased out, I'm just walking around is because the ship knows me. It scanned me. I mean, more than that, I think it knows me on the level of racial memories, genetic memories, but we're going to cross this over to soul life memories. You know, we're immortal souls. Some of us are not just dealing, like I said before, with different galaxies. We're dealing with different universes. We've been around. So when you're dealing with a craft that has, that has actually grown over a wormhole and these wormholes, these black holes, the new science is showing the data they're getting shows that they're like the hard drives of the universe. They're storage devices. Actually, the information wraps around what they call a regosphere or a mako that stops it from being eternal, black hole from going, everything going in forever. There's something that stops that called the mako. And outside of that, you've got the universe that actually is recording. So when someone says they access the Akashic records, they've accessed portions of a black hole because these black holes are moving or operating like brain waves. They're calling them quantum conscious waves those are types of brain waves so that means you can access them through brain waves and it makes sense because if you want to talk about speed you know i was told that they're estimating the speed of thought is 100,000 times the speed of light wow interesting food for thought isn't it (laughs) but if that's how you would access that when you access that that mako you got the Akashic records. This is food for thought, but if you're on board a craft, like I was on board, and I showed you guys a picture of it, you've seen it, that there were these different wormholes in this room. They're opening and closing. My God, you want to talk about simple temporal aphasias? I was gonna lose my cookies every second in there. All right. But <laughs> but there's you know, but I mean it's they're opening and closing and it's being jumped in and came out another one instantaneously. But I realize now that these are actually pathways of coherency to other universes. So you've got a craft from another universe in this one that is able to choose the best path of coherency for its next destination. Man, that's taken into a whole nother level than what we're used to. You know what I mean? I was still used to, you just tell Mr. Sulu where to go and tell Chekhov, go here, go there. You got the navigator, you got the helmsman, but you've got a craft that is actually a brain, a heart and the navigator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the helmsman, all of it. Well, yeah. it, it resonates deeply with me. I mean, I've heard 
from multiple people that these crafts, organic craft, are grown. They're they're an actual being in they, itself. Yeah. So like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the being inside of it, it's like the craft is an extension of them. It's mm-hmm. it, they can't, and some of these beings yep. actually can't live without their craft. If the if something happens to the craft, something happens to them. Um, that's why I've I've heard in even like UFO wrecks, some of the people who whistleblowers who have claimed to be on like the rescue missions or whatever the recovery not rescue the recovery missions if there's a ufo wreck on earth they're told not to remove the being from the craft because they could kill the being Mm -hmm. just by doing that so and every race has its own set of guidelines they have to follow if there's a if you know it's really interesting how it all works i and uh i just i resonate with all that you know it it, um as they told me because i you know i'm always ask information and you'll get flooded with information before you can even formulate it. They put in my mind that basically there's like a four component for these craft. One is metals that are mined from planets that are devoid of Van Allen belts and, and atmospheres. Some of them, something about the cosmic solar radiation that hits those metals is totally different. Okay. Then they take that with something our science would call quasi crystals now crystals with different lattices that are grown, bioluminescence crystals, things of that nature. Then there's a fungus component. And I cannot emphasize that enough, the fungus component. And then you've got the, the DNA of the crew. And I think that it's the life energy of the crew as well, their Kundalini, their life energy, that is the power source for this craft as well. And this compound is grown over a singularity in space. And we know now through our current science, what like when they actually bond glass in space and zero gravity, what that does, it makes it so much more like a Knight Rider glass, you know, a molecular bondage. (laughs) But um, these are just things we're going to now. And I've been talking about this for a long time, you know, since, since I came forward, but I knew before that, but now look at what NASA is doing. They're saying they're going to make homes of mycelium on Mars and on the moon and homes that are made of fungus. And they're doing that right. We're doing that right now in infrastructures around the world. They're using a type of a fungus to do that. See, so we're, we're, it, our, our, our science is going there, going yeah. towards that. So it's just food for thought again, nothing else. You know? Go And Matthew, I know you were wanting to jump in, so go ahead. I'm uh, oh, sorry if I cut you off. Oh, I don't even, uh, I don't even know what I was going to say. I think I was going to ask a question and then you sort of answered it. It might, it might've been about the mycelium energy, but, but yeah, I'm told, I'm totally with you. Absolutely. Go ahead. Well, yeah, the, the, the whole mycelium, I mean, what's that movie? The, the fungus fungi, I forgot what the hell it's called now. It talks about the mycelium network on the planet. It's crazy. Yeah. You know how everything's connected. Mm-hmm. The entire earth is a brain, the root system, the trees talk to each other, everything. Mm-hmm. And almost the movie Avatar is disclosure of that. Yep. They're they're telling us that. And that's the same concept that Barry's talking about. It's just yeah. yeah. So just to kind of add on to that one of and kind of in my own like individual channels of experience we've been made aware and i know some of you guys have also heard of this a group of beings from a realm known as new atlantis my understanding is new atlantis um the the expanded frequency through which we make a greater level of contact with those beings is born through a thing known as the crystalline grid 
filaments of crystalline energy that are constantly forming, deconstructing, and then forming again around the human body. It's my understanding that we're in a stage right now in which our ability to send and receive energy through that crystalline grid is greatly expanded. And so it just kind of brings into mind a comparison with the mycelium energy as it possibly being a higher dimensional version of that, almost, you know, the architecture being built around the human body that will then facilitate all these contacts and all this stuff that we're having. I don't know if that makes sense. I said it in a weird way, but. I just wonder how many people are following along with this information right now, listening. <laughs> well, th think about, think, think, think about what, what, what we just said, but think about when we think about organic UFOs, sentient ones, look at the, ex the examples we have on earth. Look at the connection between the trees and the mushrooms. So when you have a craft that comes here, it's going to interact with the network of the trees. It's also going to go something that I talk about a lot, which is the deep biosphere of the earth, which is really the ocean between the, our, our mantle. And what is there's like 99% of the earth's bacteria is there, yeah. organically speaking. So if you're in an organic situation, that's what you're going to be dealing with is that. Maybe not so much the admiral bird thing. <laughs> not saying that's not correct, but I think we've got the science is showing us something a little more extreme right now than that yeah do do you guys think there is an alternate version of this mycelium network that could be being formed within the human body as we go through these strange reconditionings and injections and all the alterations that we're having on a collective level because i feel like there's another version of it that's extending into what we would call the ancient ai network as well or the archonic network or whatever negative new age term you want to tack onto it but i think there is a crystalline version of this and there's a, sort of the false light the negative version of that what do you guys think i oh absolutely i, I can't say that. go ahead I, I, no i i think so definitely there's some kind of ai agenda going on at the same time as there's like this ascension going on and it's we're definitely seeing both of those very much right now yeah i think yeah. well Clearly, are you talking about like an AI mycelium network, right? Yeah, Something I just I just think there's there has got to be one of each because we came to the realm of duality. It's like, well, yeah, we got this crystalline grid and we got, you know, the other one. Well, yeah. There. Well, what is Morgellons? Well, I can I can tell you exactly what it is, at least from at least from my experience. And I, I've, I've treated people with it at this stage. There seems to be a buildup of heavy metal particulate matter, a sort of liquid frequency that comes along and binds the particulate matter in the body. It mixes with a lot of the stuff we're getting from chemtrails and a number of other sources. But at a certain stage, it gathers in the lymphatic system and it starts to build or grow or kind of like be released from the human body on a very interesting level that for some of us starts to build autoimmune symptoms. It starts to turn into uh, the sores, the fibers that grow out of the body. It leads to a certain level of dementia. Um, and one of the most useful things people can do to end Morgellons right now is reduce aluminum and also rife therapy if you want to get technical. But anyway. Well, rife is really interesting. And we're actually going to be having, uh, might as well tell them, we're having Ken Rala on, Rola Ken Rala on next week, actually. And we're going to be discussing a lot of that technology Oh, really? But, I have them right here. I got like six of them plugged in right next to me. I love nice. It. Nice. No, seriously. I, um, I, did you see the videos going around with the Morgellons in the mask? Um, no, so, but uh, it's totally, totally uh, possible. So, yeah. Um, well, somebody I know actually did a video and, and they actually captured it 
themselves. So it wasn't just coming from an unknown source. Oh, yeah, no, totally. I've seen like the fibers that will move. Yeah, they're moving they're moving on their mm -hmm. own. It's like these fibers in the mask, they're moving on their own. And I tried it with the mask I had, I didn't see anything. But I was just I was just curious because you're talking about this AI mycelium network. And I wonder if like that that's part of it. Part of um creating this false transhumanism. Well, when yeah. when looking when looking at extragalactic species, and I think kind of to, to kind of tab in on what you said, Matthew, your question is that you know kind of like what McKenna and um, gosh, the other guy's name that we're trying to talk about is that like psychosyllabin mm -hmm. is the perfect candidate for being a probe from an advanced civilization in terms of its impervious to solar radiation, so it's capable of galactic travel number two is how it conveniently symbiotically meshes with the earth and with the nervous system of humans perceptually mm. just food for thought again but i mean that is that is, that is an extreme and definitely an example of that and i can take that and throw that over into what's called radiotropic fungus the fungus that grows on the walls of fukushima and uh, also uh, chernobyl has to be actually scraped off by robots. It actually uses its melanin to convert the gamma radiation into the growth cycle. That's what the Hulk does. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that takes wow. us also combining that with what I just spoke of the deep biosphere before, which contains actually most of that 99% of undiscovered bacteria is dark microbial uh, uh, bacteria. Well, wow. that almost takes us in. Is it possible that that's what's in the rogosphere of a black hole or in the middle? It's Einstein bones, bison particles, or is it really some type of a melanin? Food for thought once again, but it's good. Go ahead, Matthew. Yeah, just really quickly, because here, here's what happened. As you were asking about the Morgellons thing, a whole bunch of information shot in my head. It was very, very overwhelming. I received kind of one additional word literally while you were talking, it was shouted in my head. And so I'm going to let it, I'm just going to say it for everyone here because this is going to be one of the things that we're going to be dealing with on a much greater level in the coming years. It is nano neural toxicity. And so it's just something that people need to start learning about. We're going to be experiencing much more of it as our population becomes much more inoculated. Um, and so for those of you guys trying to understand more gallons and the symptoms, we're going to be learning about nano neural toxicity. So anyway, I just want to throw that in. There. No, that's, that's really cool that you're able to get on the spot downloads like that. Uh, so that's something I think we're all going to be tapping into also. Mm -hmm. But what I was going to say is it doesn't even matter. <laughs> but, uh, I was going to say what I love, what I love about listening to Barry is that he could be making up words and I have no idea. Because I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand some of that terminology. Just been making up yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah, like those wrestlers, man. Yeah, one yeah. guy said, "Huge magnitudes." Yeah. They're, they're making up words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, if, if you remember Barry, when you hopped on our live in Florida. We were talking about the temporal aphasia and I was telling you about the book where I read about them. They they call it space sick because they didn't have it. Mm. But anyway, this is the book right here, guys. The Secret Journey to Planet Serpo, A True Story of Inter Interplanetary Travel. And um, it's a great book. Within yeah. this book, they talk about 
uh, 12 astronauts, maybe 13, going to spend 10 years on another planet and back in the 60s or 40s. I forgot the dates now. I'm terrible with numbers. But they this is like a documented account from some of the astronauts, and they talk about experiencing that sickness that Barry talks about on an extraterrestrial craft. And you can actually read about it in this book. They describe it, what it does to you and everything. So it's really interesting. I love that Very book. Cool. I'm so I'm so glad you guys have that. That was a yeah. There's a it's a it's a there's a lot of information in that book that su that surprised me, going all the way back to the 1800s and the reptilian agenda and the black dragon and the green dragon society, and it's kind of like where those societies came from because they were channeling reptilians that were living underground in Tibet, mm -hmm. and they were carrying out agendas for them up here on the surface. And they had like this 500 year plan already set up in the late 1800s for what they wanted to do to humanity. Yeah. And uh, it's really interesting. So you've read that book, Matthew? Oh yeah. That, that, I just randomly came upon it about four and a half or so like years ago. I think I just saw it somewhere at a bookstore and I was like, Whoa, that's awesome. Total accidental find. And then I heard the author Len Caston on coast, to coast am like a couple months later like right after i got the book and i was like what how is this yeah nice. it was like just synchronistically showed up and it blew my mind i had not heard of serpo at all at that stage and you know i think for some of us that have looked into it afterwards serpo itself seems to be a conglomeration of several different kind of projects that all came together you know who knows like if it is or if it isn't but by my understanding absolutely real and there have been many many of those since then and yeah, fascinating. And that's exactly how I found the book too. Totally random. Never, no one guided me to it. I just saw it in the bookstore. Yep. You were guided to it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But yeah. not yeah, a person. True. Um, yeah, this book can it can be broken down in an entire episode. It's really really incredible. Um, so, is there anything else that you guys want to cover before we start wrapping this up? I think we've been going for about an hour now, a little over an hour. Yeah, I will just say one thing really quick and then I'll let you like take it away, Barry. I just want to say one thing for the people in our soul group right now. And everyone right now is talking about contact. Everyone's waiting for disclosure. Everyone's thinking that, you know, the portal is going to open and the solar flash is going to happen. And I know other people have heard me say this before, but we are disclosure. These experiences are ours and they're never going to come pick you up in a craft and take you to the LOC in the middle of the night. The way we're going to begin experiencing our extraterrestrial brothers and sisters is no longer by looking up in the sky and waiting for an orb to flash itself. It's by going within, by finding your heart, by healing the inner child, and then by gathering, you know, as a group and talking about it and sharing our energy. In my experience so far, that is has that is what led or opened the door for me to begin having these experiences. And I think if anyone hears anything that I say, understand that it is possible for you and it doesn't have to be on a plant like medicine journey. It doesn't have to be in a ship on the LOC. We are constantly having contact. And so I just say, believe, truly believe. And um, yeah, we're getting there together. So thank you. Hey, well, you're right. I mean, con yes. contact is happening constantly. And it, it's up, up to us to almost, I guess, raise your vibration to meet them halfway and mm -hmm. be able to experience it. Um, and, and it's not the same. It's different for everybody, right? That might not even work for somebody else. But right. yeah. Um, Barry, any last words? Um, you know, one thing I, I mentioned the radiotropic fungus. 
Some scientists had speculated to me that they thought maybe it was a melanin dominant civilization type three, four, five that sent that to try to help with the radiation cleanup here. Mm. So it's a matter of, are we actually getting help? And I think that takes us into what Matthew was speaking about the nano and even civilizations that may have gone smaller to the Pico. And we start dealing with civilizations that are that small that have done something like an engineering feat, like a Dyson spear. And we, we deal with like the things Dr. Lear pulled out, those implants that got what, a mile worth of carbon nanotubes in them. I mean, that's, that's incredible. You th think about a Dyson sphere. Those are many civilizations that would explore space through the inner space. They're going to go inner space like Martin Short and Dennis Quaid. Just food for thought. You know, I think but when we start thinking about advanced civilizations and the different type of contact, yeah, they're going to be definitely much more an astral type of contact because the astral body doesn't conform to these physical parameters. They can make it minuscule. Minuscule. Make it work. Percent, I told yeah, you. Our, our <laughs> minuscule man is not a made of work. Give me a break, man. I recovered from four traumatic brain injuries. I'm good to be able to I speak know. at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, just things like that, though. But all these are things to talk about just ex expanding the parameters of, of contact. Because I think for us all and the people listening, your audience, it's like sky's the limit. You know, there's trillions of galaxies and all these different entities and dimensional trans dimensions. That's oh. what we yeah, signed yeah. up for. Yeah, that's exactly what we signed up for. And mm -hmm. I wonder how many of us even realize what we were getting ourselves into coming down here. Um, yeah, I was listening to. I think it was one of Ivan Teller's channelings and they were talking about uh, one of these races. They couldn't figure out why humanity was having such a hard time getting their act together. And because not all of these races know what it's like to be a human. So it's, so when they, sometimes they incarnate to have the experience thinking it's going to be easy. And then the next thing you know, they're a drug addict and they're like, Oh, okay. Now I get it. Mm -hmm. So they have to incarnate they to have, experience it yeah. to really know. It, yeah. it was really, it was really yeah. funny. He's like, yeah, you come down thinking you're going to help. And your next thing you know, you're a drug addict. So <laughs> I feel you on that. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, guys, oh, this has been, a, what were you going to say, Barry? Oh no, I said, these are good people here, man. This, I'm not trying to be negative, but it's a very hellish place here and it needs all, all, all the good vibes you could get. All the light it could get, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Well, this has been fun, guys. Thank you, fun guy. Fun guy. <laughs> it's been fun, uh, fun guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, um, thanks for doing this and sharing those stories. This was actually really fascinating conversation. We got into some deep stuff um, that might go over some people's heads, but screw it, right? <laughs> I appreciate you guys doing it. Thanks for telling your story, Matthew. I thought it was really important that people hear it. You know. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for allowing it to be said. And thank you to all those people who are unpacking their own experiences. May all the things that made us weird and awkward as kids make us, you know, amazing and empowered and magical as adults here in this new age. So I love you guys. Thank you. Yeah. I love you guys too, man. So yeah, I love you guys um, too. Uh, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Telegram. Uh, that's where you'll find us most putting out content. Um, if you want to keep up with us there and uh, thank you guys all for the support and the donations and until next time, have a great evening. Good night guys. Yeah.